electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Kington here with Jim Cramer at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber is at Goldman's Communicopia Conference in San Francisco, where later today they'll have an exclusive with Goldman's David Solomon, 4.15 p.m. Eastern Time. In the meantime, futures red as some of the labor data today runs a bit warm. Jobless claims lightest since February. Our roadmap begins with Apple's China challenge. Shares moving lower on news of a broader iPhone crackdown. That decline also dragging down the broader markets. NASDAQ on pace for its fourth straight day of losses as stocks continue to shake uh, September here. And media at a crossroads. Why WBD CEO is still betting on the future of the cable bundle. David, maybe a little scene setter. Actually, you know, we're going to start with Apple this morning, extending yesterday's losses. And, Jim, you did discuss this on Twitter today, as it looks like yeah. this is going beyond just government agencies. Well, I mean, I think that have got to go back to when Obama was president. It's 2015. He meets with Xi. And she says he has no designs on the Straits of China. And then as soon as he leaves, he begins to have designs on the Straits of China militarily. This is, unfortunately, a pattern. It's not something new. Uh, President Xi meets with, well, Gina Raimondo meets with number two. She reiterates again that you're not going to get the chips that are artificial intelligence. That's really what's, what's at the crux here. And, but she says, listen, well, you know, go to Disney World, really try to get things going. Shanghai Disney. And right in her face, didn't wait, didn't even wait 48 hours, basically, and says, listen, we're going to ban the company that is uh, made in China for China. Perhaps the best combination we have in terms of what you'd like to have as a relationship with China. And so, Carl, I, I come back and I say, you know, this, this, this ban really does matter. We don't know whether they were already using government people were already using Huawei, but it's the, ten, it's the tone and the tenor. And if you remember, Jinder Mundo came on our show, Man Money, and said, listen, patience is thin. I don't know what happens now. I don't like it. Uh, I know you watched uh, some of the B, B of A analysis on this. Yes. Um, Estimate maybe five to ten million units are uh, are at risk here. Um, every one million units, about a penny in EPS. Uh, they do think it, the timing between this and the Huawei so-called breakthrough is interesting. Yes, it is. And David, you know, what, one of the things that's happened here is that we actually don't know. I'm going to see some lines or no lines at the Apple stores, but we don't really know how much Apple was entrenched with people who work at the government anyway, because the government has been promoting Huawei. I don't know whether one comes in. And, uh, whips out their iPhone. You've been in China. Is that the case? Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know either. Uh, it's a good question, Jim. I, you know, I think, listen, the, um, the Bloomberg story that Carl also cited confirming the journal's reporting from yesterday, but extending it to the fact that this ban may extend to state-owned enterprises, that's got to be a bit more concerning. Uh, if you don't let people come to work with uh, their iPhones at state-owned enterprises as well, you guys know that's, you know, a lot of people carry two phones that could that could absolutely dampen demand. And certainly you can't overlook the coincidence of Huawei coming up with a uh, with a new entrant into the marketplace at this time. Right. And a seven nano, which is uh, big, but is used. And by the way, Carl Arm is in 
the uh, Apple phone. We got an arm coming up. It's going to be an important deal. One thing I do want to say is there is some fickle nature to the Chinese government. They have at times changed their mind. So I know I have an own it, don't trade it view on Apple. I met with Jeff Marks this morning. He's my colleague for uh, my uh, my trust. And I said, do we have to change it? And we said, well, what happens to change it? And it turns out that this is just one of those things where Apple, where it's just not as big. We don't know how many people use it. But or also that you, you end up have to take the view of Morgan Stanley, which was a very positive piece, but seems to be written before uh, most of the uh, stories come out. Yeah, uh, there is a sense, David, that this iPhone we're going to get, we think, next week is going to be a little more evolutionary uh, than some prior uh, units. Webbush today thinks they're going to add $100 to the price of the Pro and the Pro Max. At the same time, uh, as the street sort of t- kicks around Apple uh, these days, I don't know if you saw Bernstein earlier in the week. I'm sure Jim loved Tony Saganaki mm-hmm. comparing Apple after three quarters of negative revenue growth to IBM. 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, back then, big Berkshire holding, uh, but it, big index weight. Um, Tony, we know, has not been a fan of Apple in recent years. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I don't think you have to say anymore. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it could happen, I suppose. It seems unlikely, but uh, sure. yeah, go back to, Absolutely. I don't know if he's equating it to what IBM's market cap is now, Jim. Um, although, you know, when it does come to the Chinese and Apple, obviously we've, we've discussed how much manufacturing of the iPhone is oh, clearly still in country, country there. Yeah. I, and so what is the dynamic there? You know, is it is it possible that this continues into something more perhaps even worrisome for the company? Well, David, I do think that we're beginning to see a, an evolution of uh, in, a, a really an insular evolution, where I think that President Xi has really changed when it starts with COVID, the way they handle COVID. But I just think that they're backing away from all countries with the exception of Russia in terms of uh, of who they are dealing with. And it reminds me, sadly, of 1951. I don't really understand what exactly they're trying to do in terms of alienating the companies that truly have. David, David Apple has the best relationship with China of any company in the world. Why would you do this? Yeah, um, I mean, Apple has a strong relationship there. Tesla obviously also has a very strong relationship in the country, given the production that comes out of Shanghai for that company. Uh, Carl, by the way, on the new model, I would add, it's interesting, you know, Mike Sievert said, I haven't seen it. I don't think Stanky had seen it either, the man who runs AT&T. You know, typically at these companies, they have teams that sign separate NDAs so that they can make sure everything is interoperable and everything is done. But the CEOs these days don't apparently get to sign those NDAs. And so they're waiting like everybody else to see what's unveiled. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, By the way, today, uh, I think it's Needham argues that AI and that big push will elevate Microsoft, Google, Amazon market cap above Apple's in time. Well, that would be something because I think that Apple in its own has AI. They just, unlike these other companies, they don't feel the need to get on our show and say they have AI. Uh, David, one of the great themes is that you'll have, I haven't done this yet, but you might have a carpet company come on and say, listen, it's all about AI. You know, really, when it comes to tool and die, it is AI. You know, David, we've gone too far in terms of who has AI and who doesn't. Well, you listen, your point's an important one, and I, I have been able to get out here and talk to a, a number of different CEOs in general, and everybody is, well, not everyone, but many of them are testing generative AI right now, but not really 
using it, and certainly not at scale within their organizations. But there is a belief, let's call it, mid midpoint of next year that you are going to start to see a lot more applications of AI in the enterprise being used uh, and potentially adding a great level of productivity. That obviously becomes a key question. And will it enhance right. margins? And is that already accounted for in the market in terms of so many of these companies that mention their efforts in well, AI, in terms of using it, not actually being part of the chain of that provide the equipment for it, namely uh, NVIDIA. So, you know, it, it does come up a lot, uh, Jim, and, and I, I think it's a very important thing that we'll be monitoring through the, through the course, let's call it, of the next 12 months. Thank heavens I had someone who speaks in English last night uh, on MAD, George Kurtz, who's from CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike is arguably other than Nikesh Aurora uh, and Palo Alto, maybe the best when it comes to cybersecurity. He said, look, let me tell you what the pr productivity really is. You have a large language model, you have AI. Instead of having a query, which you then give to a bunch of code writers who then go in and figure out how to put it to their system and then come back and then decode the code and then go to the person who's in charge of a particular part of security, what would happen is basically you'd have someone who says, listen, I hear there's a lot of North Korean threats. Who's being hurt? And then boom. And he says, like, are we protected against North Korea? Boom. It's the actual person, Carl. Think about all the people you don't need if the actual person can speak English to a machine <laughs> and get an answer. Rather remarkable. Yeah, well, I mean, productivity is something we thought we got a bit of in Q2. These revisions weren't so great this morning. No, they uh, weren't. 3.7 goes to 3.5. Unit labor costs go from 1.6 up to 2.2. I mean... Bulls just can't get away with the data. No, this is a, we got a September song going here, David. I mean, so far in September, what, what's been good? David, even Dave and Buster's was bad. Oh, you know it's trouble when that happens, don't you? Well, you're yeah. out there. I mean, Sorry is anyone saying, anyone saying anything good about the strike? Is that like a good opportunity? How about the strike in the autos? We've got a terrific quote, I think, from Sean Fain last night. I know he thinks the billionaires are liars and frauds. I think he took it a step up on last night on, uh, uh, when you don't think so, on, uh, no. on last call. We, 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 um, there's a bunch of news in, on the strike front. I don't know. Do, do, we, do we have the Fain stuff queued up? Um, the Walter Ruther stuff? You have the Ruther stuff in 50? They are making, the UAW is making a counteroffer to Ford. Uh, meantime, Stellantis, according to Reuters, uh, is planning its own counter this week. Huh. Um, interesting graphic out of the Times today that argues even if the UAW were to go, that would be almost half a million workers involved in a work stoppage this year. It wouldn't even be above 2018. No, and remember, right now everybody's building inventory because of a strike. So then suddenly you see Bronco ads this morning when I was watching Frank Holland. Bronco, my daughter has one. She had to wait six months for it. Now they give me $4,000 if I buy a Bronco for heaven's sake. David, we're in a situation here where labor is ascended. Uh, uh, yesterday, with Rockefeller Center, giant picket line. I saw that when I was out in in uh, L.A. David, are you sensing this kind of uh, it's time for labor, capital's made enough money thing going on out there, wherever you are? <laughs> wherever I, 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 wherever I am. No, not really. Uh, I haven't seen any picket lines here in San Francisco. Not seen much at all on the streets. Um, uh, so, no, Jim, I don't I can't really weigh in on on the state of labor right now, other than note what you did, which is, of course, certainly in the area that I cover uh, quite closely. Uh, media, it's having an impact. You know, we will get to some comments from David Zaslov uh, made here yesterday at the Communicopia conference. If we want uh, uh, about the strike as well. Talked about backers from Viacom. Listen, there's a hope when it comes to the actors and writers that they get something done 
as you might imagine, soon. Um, right. And I think few anticipated it would go this long, certainly for the writers now that we are in September. Uh, guys, when it comes to cars, I have to tell you, uh, just apropos of nothing, and I wish I had the video, but I was in an Uber yesterday. Oh. We pulled up to a light. I had a driver. I looked to my left, and there's a Waymo car, and there was no driver. And that freaked me out, I got to tell you. That was crazy. Well, I mean, we know that there are uh, videos of, of cars that seem to not be able to make up their minds. I know that uh, Waymo's been, it's been riding around for a long time in San Francisco. Maybe it's time for in Arizona. You know, Carl, I, I, when I call it, an Uber, it's just I, I weird when like, you actually see it next to you. Driver. It's like, whoa. But remember, they're safer than drivers. What can I say? I mean, you know, they don't get drunk. Know, they're not tired. Right? They don't go on strike. You know, listen, my, my no point is, benefits. we talked about it on that. We talked about it on that set for so many years. I mean, we could go back five, six years where we say, oh, they're coming, they're coming. And, of course, they didn't. But now they are. Uh, now they are. Um, slowly at first and then suddenly. Uh, well, there is a story too. on the tape uh, this morning uh, saying self-driving cars might finally be for real this time. I mean, you talked about black ice and how hard it is well, for the no, computers to understand Jensen. it. That was Jensen. I was doing with Jensen Wong, and he was running these simulations about when he does a lot of uh, automatic. He, he said, look, they don't know black ice. I mean, I, you know, humans don't either, but I want them to know black ice, David. I don't want to, like, be in a, uh, you know, like a Waymo with no driver, and, he doesn't, and he, 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 there's nobody even says to me, hey, you know what, I don't understand black ice. I mean, I'd like to hear it from someone. You know what I mean? Hear that it's dangerous. What do you think of that? All right, well, don't get, in, don't get in one when it's really cold if you're somewhere where it gets cold. Well, there you go. Isn't that the real takeaway of the A block? <laughs> Actionable. That's what we, that's what we do. <laughs> uh, when we come back, we'll talk uh, more media landscape, as uh, David said, with what uh, Warner Brothers' David Zasloff had to say about it yesterday at Communicopia. We'll get to C3AI, GameStop, AEO, uh, more on play, as Jim mentioned, in some calls this morning on MCD and Dell. You can see the impact that Apple and big tech are having on the NASDAQ futures. We're back in a minute. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. We've been uh, at the Goldman Sachs Communicopia Conference the last couple of days, of course. Uh, technology and media 
uh, one reason why they moved it from New York uh, to San Francisco. But media is still a part of this. David Zaslov yesterday, um, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, presented. And, of course, as we know, uh, these businesses are challenged, uh, to say the least, right now in terms of linear cable networks. We've talked a lot about charters, dispute with Disney right now, and whether or not that becomes a seminal moment in terms of the distributors saying, forget it, we're done with the video uh, business overall, or whether it is more typical of the disputes we've seen through the years. But another question, of course, is the profitability of the streamers. Um, And HBO Max, or Max as it's now known, of course, is a key one, as is Paramount Plus for Paramount, Peacock for our parent company, Comcast, and on from there. One key question uh, of late that I've been hearing is, is there an opportunity at all to actually put together in some sort of bundle many of these streaming properties to make it easier for the consumer uh, and perhaps to enhance profitability for all of those uh, who are producing content for those various services. Zaslav entertained that question, at least in a broad fashion yesterday. Take a listen. We do have a marketplace that, that is a bit challenged, and it's one of the reasons why you, know, you, you, you look at the marketplace and you see a lot of players in the market losing a lot of money. You know, we have 15, 16, 20 apps that offer content. If you're a consumer, imagine 10 years ago, you're watching TV and you're watching Discovery and you want to watch ESPN. You've got to download another app and put in a verification. And then you wanted to watch a show. You have to Google where that show is and then go and put that. In the long term, it's not a great consumer experience. Consumers have adapted to it. But in the long term, I've been a big advocate for bundling. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, interesting comments from him on that and on the strike as well, as you might imagine, guys. But it's something to keep an eye on. We've talked so many times, Jim, about the fact that, listen, you know, the expectation somehow that this incredible ecosystem that we operated in for 20, 25 years in terms of cable and the programmers for it and the margins that were available, the idea that somehow that could be replicated in a streaming world. Well, nobody said it ever would, and I think at this point we can all agree that it probably won't be. Netflix, of course, does manage to make a good amount of money, though. Yes, and Netflix continues, the love for Netflix continues. David, David Zaslav did talk about it in another interview with Brett Film, but did say the deal we have coming up with the NBA is 325. Now, March Madison, 30s. Now, David Zaslav saying these deals go long. How much does it matter if the NFL football, David, is a big hit? For YouTube, because if it is, we know that Alphabet has the money to just say, you know, David, we love you, but you're done. Listen, I think the presence of YouTube, Amazon and Apple in terms of bidding for sports rights is without a doubt um, seen as a a threat to a certain extent, uh, because, as you say, they can pay any price. You know, I had somebody the other day say, well, why, why didn't Apple just buy the entire NFL? Now, that doesn't make any sense. The NFL is <laughs> not going to do that. But of course, of course, they could if they wanted to. Not the NFL, not the, the not the, the the league, but buy the entire package. You know, they and, can buy all the MLS. You can only teams. get the NFL and Apple. <laughs> yeah, and so it isn't. It's an issue when you're you know when you're a Warner Brothers Discovery or you're a Peacock or you're any of these or a Paramount or any of these companies, a Disney dealing with an Apple or an Amazon or a Alphabet and the capital that they have available to bid for content and sports yeah. rights. You're, you're just not even in the same game. No, and one of the things that you mentioned is trying to find things. Okay, so you have Peacock, Carl, running, doing a, a wild card game. 
You'll have Amazon on Thursday. Uh, Bloomberg had a piece saying it's cost $1,600 to get all of these. Well, how about if someone could come up and say, listen, you can have the NFL for $500, one station. Can you imagine how great that would be for America? Especially we had Jason Robinson this morning for DraftKings. I mean, geez, you know, one place rather than all these different places running around. And that stupid thing I got on top of my place. I mean, I have places from 1480 or something. I got a dish on top of it. You know, Christopher Columbus meets like Ikea. I mean, what the heck? <laughs> uh, maybe that's why, David, uh, the, the sell side reaction this morning. Uh, Deutsche saying Disney has more to lose than Charter does. And Needham, Laura Martin, one of our favorite yes. uh, uh, outside voices, uh, says Disney should cave, I think, in her words. Wow. $4 billion in line, David? What do you Listen. think? It, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a dispute that requires a, a good deal of attention, and it's been getting it because it is, as we've said, it may prove to be different. It may not. It may simply be they get a deal done, and as we said, though, it's going to be Monday if it's going to happen because there's they, once you go past not airing the New York Jets Monday Night Football in oh, the New York my. area to your millions of customers, then you've said we're done, right? He is Calvin Cook. Would think. So <laughs> I mean, we it's so know. obviously this it's Cook. It's sacred. ridiculous. <laughs> Jeez. Williams, what do you got, like a wide receiver team? You know, Jesus. He drafted first, probably. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell here. His future still a little bit sticky as the uh, macro data, at least on the labor front, runs hot today. Yields not giving a lot of ground. Back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Take a look at some NASDAQ 100 laggards. You see Apple right in the middle of that list. Index is coming off uh, two negative sessions and three on pace for the first negative week in three. Uh, we'll see how large cap tech holds in this morning when we get the opening bell in about five, five minutes. By, in, in the meantime, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash. Down with the bell. Carl, I'll tell you, in a sky of blue sea of red, uh, you've got one piece that I really like. Wells Fargo saying channel checks for McDonald's. Hold to buy. McDonald's has been stuck for a while. These numbers sound absolutely terrific. Uh, they, they just think that McDonald's is going to stand tall. It has been a Dow stock that has lagged. I like the call. They did say, by the way, uh, also yum tracking ahead. They don't like Burger King, which is... Uh, I don't know. I, I happen to like that stock very much, but uh, we're restaurant brands. But I think that this could matter, and it's a stock to watch because if you can get a little momentum in the Na- in the Dow, maybe you can separate some from the Nasdaq. It's happened before in September. Yeah, three ten target. Uh, they did say uh, firing on all cylinders. Yes. Um, BTIG though had a good chart yesterday looking at restaurants versus gas, and you can see right in the early, uh, mid part of the year where. Gas was bottoming and restaurants were topping. No, I know. And we used to short, when I was a hedge fund manager, you just short Cracker Barrel every time because they're on the interstates. But, but, but I, I'm not going to say that, that, that that's wrong. I am going to say that these are very international companies and, that people love. And if they've done nothing, I don't think they're going to get hurt by that. If they've done something, yes, they yeah. could get hurt. Certainly a huge dollar uh, exposure here. Oh, my God, the dollar's strong. I, it, look at September, and I did this ode to September for the club for my investing club. 
And I just said, look, this is a time that tries men's souls. It really is. A, and I should say people's souls, but that's back to Thomas <laughs> Paine. And, and I just look at this period, and I always remember, you know, just re- temper your expectations. There are companies, hedge funds, that have a lot of profits, and they're not going to let them go in September. Yeah. They're uh, going to book. You have said, uh, wait until, what's that? Wait until oil, oil's down three. Yes. And oil the 10-year. And we got to get that down. I, look, I, I pay four and a quarter, but you know, just stable right here. Let's get the opening bell here. It's a special one for the NASDAQ and our colleagues at Fast Money. Yes. Celebrating the launch of their new studio space and 16 years, Jim. Isn't that at the market Just Congratulations to all of our friends and our president, Casey Sullivan, doing the honors. Uh, Dan yes. Colarusso, our head of business news. Sandy Cannell, our senior executive producer, Brad Rubin, who makes the trains run oh over here. Oh, my. I mean, these are people, I know it's hard to realize outside how much we love our colleagues. And, uh, you know, look, Melissa Lee's just incredible. Of course, Casey just done a great job. Look at these, that Casey Sullivan runs our, our company. But I just am so proud. Uh, just to see how long they yeah. go. And there's Guy, Karen, Tim, uh, Dan, all, all the regulars. It's a, it really is an amazing show. <laughs> I know. It's show. institution. The institutions are hard to come by these days. At the big board, meantime, energy company EQT. We'll talk to the CEO, Tony, uh, Toby Rice. Toby Rice will have some very good comments. Remember, they're the, one of the lowest cost producers, natural gas. They've been around for a very long time. And Toby understands the markets. Most of these guys are reluctant to ever say, well, I don't know, Nat Gas will ever go 250. I mean, I, I just focus on my business. He'll give you a forecast. Uh, Jim, we mentioned AI in the A block. Uh, the ticker AI, uh, narrower than expected loss, uh, but they're ramping up some of their marketing and sales, even as the, as the revenue forecast remains unchanged. I didn't like that. And I, I happen to be a big fan of Tom Siebel from the old days. I've known him for very many years. But when you're AI, you got to come to play. you got to say, listen, the sky's the limit. Uh, we think we can do X. And he didn't. And when you don't do it and your stock is bid up by people, I have a kind of a little bit of a meme story because of because of the uh, symbol AI. It is disappointing. David, once again, I come back to the idea that we have a lot of hope about AI. But right now, the air is going out of the AI balloon as we speak. Yeah, you know, which may not be unexpected in some ways, Jim. I mean, there have been plenty of people who have said the market has uh, been had been sent higher as a result and multiples have expanded as a result of enthusiasm around what AI will mean. But that doesn't mean that there won't come that time. It just may not be right now. It's not dissimilar, is it, Jim, in some ways from the prospects of the Internet, which obviously had the effect of, in that case, sending the stock market up in a much broader fashion for a much longer period of time, I would argue, and inflating a really speculative bubble during that period in the mid to late 90s. But ultimately, it did do what many thought it would. It just took a right. while. Uh, well, and that may be the I'm case so- here. Although perhaps, again, in the, you know, if people have uh, the technology executives I had had an opportunity to speak to in the last 36 hours, all right, it may be sooner than years. It may be the next year where you really start to see significant applications. Well, one of the best performers and, and just a great company is Adobe, Shantun Ryan. And they've got a, a product on, on the market, Firefly. And that makes any small business look like a big business. And it's being used Anyone who's on it, my daughter's on it because she does some baking. And what you have is just, I tell you, you look like the big shots. That product is driving that stock. They had a fabulous quarter, and look at how it's done. Bill McDermott talks aggressively with Jensen Wong, and they're using it 
a great deal at ServiceNow. And those two stocks have not given up anything. They've just been forging ahead. So, Carl, there are companies right now that can demonstrate AI. I'm going out to see Salesforce next week with Mark, with Mark Benioff, and he's telling me that it'll be a great story. Yeah, uh, Dreamforce will be a big thing. Oracle earnings uh, coming up. Oh, I like that quarter. Yep. Oh, Safra Katz is so smart. And then, of course, we have Schumer's uh, sort of AI forum where he's bringing together not just Altman and Musk and Zuckerberg, but Randy Weingarten from the Teachers Union and figuring out how this is going to affect things like education. Well, um, David, Elon Musk has had some things to say we're discovering about uh, AI, and they're not all that positive. Well, he has, uh, he's been concerned for quite some right. time, as you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that continues. That said, he will also tell you that, and I think those who are very positive on Tesla will argue that they have a sophisticated and AI product there as well. Kind of two separate, two separate things there. Um, but uh, that they are, you know, you know how many things, uh, how many chips he's been buying from NVIDIA. Oh, my God. He hated. Well, I'm not saying there was a dispute because Jensen Wong comes in peace, a dispute about uh, the two. They had not been cooperating, but you can't avoid the Grace Hopper chip. You can't avoid the arm and NVIDIA chip. You know, so I got to tell you, Carl, none of this is going to uh, save the day today for Nasdaq. But we're going to regret, I think, dumping everything right now. I think it's a mistake. Uh, worst back-to-back sessions for Apple in about three years. Uh, thanks, Mike Zaccardi. Um, 171, Jim, was the August low. How important is that? Well, the stock had been ha- had been moving higher and had been one of the best performers of the year. Hard to see that stock was up 40%. I Look, I am adamant that you uh, don't trade it. You won't know when to get back in. You should own it. Uh, if, let's say we see lines outside of an Apple store in Shanghai. Do you cover your short? Do you go buy it? I just think you let it come in. It's a lot of money, obviously. But we've seen time and again that's a lot of money that has hurt Apple or is going to be missing. I don't think that the stock is worth, if you don't own any for the club, investing club, I I might say in our 1020 broadcast, you don't have to yet. But I, I don't want to just wholesale dump this thing off this. There's too much at stake. Right. I mean, what is? how do you think about the fact that two of our giants, right, Apple and Tesla, are, are so are leaning so heavily on what happens in China. Well, you know, look, I go back over when when Commerce Secretary Mina was on the show. I thought that there was a lot of possibility for China to be able to say, you know what, let's go buy some planes from Boeing and get this thing going. Uh, Let's do something that shows an olive branch. They didn't come with an olive branch. They came came with a bit bit of a a bazooka. That's not what she wanted. Meanwhile, David, uh, president's going to the G20. Obviously, she will not. Uh, President has had Modi to a state dinner. Uh, He's going to Vietnam after the summit. He's brought Japan and South Korea to Camp David. Reuters piece this morning saying he's going to the G20 with a lot of World Bank money, arguing if if you want to grow, you don't have to rely on China for your development funds. It it can be the U.S. Yeah, listen, Carl, that effort continues in terms of uh, both stabilizing and enhancing many of the alliances and or even new ones that conceivably are being um, used to try to combat China uh, in terms of at least in the world of commerce uh, and obviously Chinese influence around the world, right, Jim, which, uh, which is quite significant as well, particularly in many developing countries. Yeah, but I, I think that, look, there's no doubt about it, David. You started the show by talking about how there is really no give without a get. Apple makes them there. 
okay, which is what China says you're supposed to do, and sells them there. So the question is, when you decide to uh, go against the biggest employer, is that wise? And that's why I continue to leave to know, I want more information on this before I tell people to take action. David, we do not have yeah. a straight story. So what happens is people sell it, and then it turns out, you know what? There was an informal memo. It really didn't mean like that. It, because, you know, David... President Xi, he's got the bad unemployment, not us. I mean, if we had if we had his unemployment, we would have pal furiously cutting rates, right? Yeah, well, especially youth unemployment, as we know, oh. although now they're not even measuring that in the same way. I agree with you, Jim. Listen, I think the frustration that I have, given the importance of China overall and the economy uh, 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 and in so many other areas, is it's very difficult to truly understand what's what's happening there. Um, and notwithstanding, right. great reporting from so many of our news organizations, it's just difficult. And it continues to be. And there's a handful of people that I've relied on, although, frankly, I think it's become more difficult for them to fully understand things, in part because it's more difficult to spend a lot more time on the ground in China than it had been previously. And so I share your frustration. You know, the, the question here is, is this seen as some sort of a national security issue? Is it simply a response to what the U.S. has been doing? Um, is it even real uh, or is it, you know, something that will kind of go away quickly uh, after the headlines? I, I agree. And it, it can be very difficult as an investor to fully understand what the ramifications are and what the reasons are behind this as you try to sort of analyze the longer term impact. Yeah. I mean, you don't just go out there and say to the largest employer, you know what, we're uh, going to ban, let's state this, state that. And what you want to say is let's go after the companies that actually have discriminated against us as opposed to embraced us. So this is I, you do not cut your nose off despite your face if you're trying to grow. Carl, the numbers that they got this morning, again, export numbers from China. Uh, not good. Uh, down 8, 8, not as bad as we thought. No, no, but down but 8. A, I think on a rolling 12 month, the percentage of imports we're getting from China is like the lowest since 06. It's Canada and Mexico. Can you imagine those great countries have passed China as partners? Speaking of a lot of this, uh, getting some comments from Boeing just now. Let's get to Phil LeBeau, who's at the NASDAQ. Hey, Phil. Carl, these comments are coming from Boeing CFO Brian West, who is speaking at a Jeffries Industrial Conference, talking about where Boeing is right now, what the outlook is. Two pieces of news that he has just said at this conference. First of all, the company will be sticking with its guidance when it comes to 737 MAX deliveries. Remember, there is the issue that came up a couple of weeks ago with uh, its supplier Spirit Aerosystems, which is going to be hurting near-term production in or near-term deliveries, we should say. But Brian West says, the company still expects to deliver between 400 and 450 737 maxes this year, though it likely will be on the lower end of that 400 to 450. And in terms of free cash flow, while the company will see an impact in the third quarter, it is sticking with its guidance for full year free cash flow of between three and five billion dollars. And remember, the company's target for 2025 and 2026 is 10 billion dollars in annual free cash flow. So those are the comments from Boeing CFO, again, re reaffirming essentially that the, the 737 MAX deliveries for this year, that's not changing. The guidance remains 400 to 450 planes. Guys, back to you. Jim, thoughts on uh, the guidance? <laughs> you know, it's just very frustrating. Uh, but uh, look, if, if, if General Mundo, Secretary of Commerce, had gone to that Boeing hangar in Shanghai and gotten the orders that I was hoping she would get because the Boeing's got the planes, this wouldn't happen. I, I, I 
just find, it, look, the 787 is, is good numbers, but I just find that this is a one, David got me out of the stock. But I, I had it for the Travel Trust, and David just shamed me. I ended up selling you. Yeah, you did. You made me sell it close to the bottom, David. You did that. And you know what, David, this is this was a story that was making a comeback. And I still think there's a comeback, David, oh, okay. but this so is it's not. my fault. Well, right. My sharp questioning had- of you at the time was solely the reason that you sold it, because you're not capable of making decisions on your own. No, well, okay, some- I'll take full responsibility. Someone for your sale has, of Boeing. Someone okay. has to take the blame, David. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not going to take the blame. David's <laughs> pretty. Int- I th- our thanks to Phil LeBeau, by the way. Interesting. No. Um, one of the morning shows, uh, Good Morning America, had a piece today on airfares in, in deflation, uh, meaning 10 percent below 2019 at this point. And now we're getting into the fall season, so some of that is seasonal. But it, uh, it is curious to see whether the whether it's David Buster's the beige book yesterday. Airfares. If we're starting to see well, prices reflect a consumer mindset, yeah, we saw South Southwest Air with those numbers, the this heat mile numbers. Uh, David, there is a sense people are really trying to back away from the travel leisure, uh, long on money, short on time thesis post COVID, as if maybe we've forgotten that uh, we were indoors for a long time. I don't know. I don't. I'm reluctant to do this because anecdotally, anybody who flies, David, knows when you look at the price that you can't believe it. It's still too high. Uh, yeah, I mean, we all rely on anecdotes sort of to support the thesis there. But um, although the numbers themselves still show, I think, are still quite strong yes. when it comes to experiences, let's call it, right? And everything that you've discussed that comes under that heading versus right. consumer goods. Airbnb is very, very strong. You can't get into the theme parks. Look, I'm not against anybody who says after when I listen to American Express, they looked at a good quarter and people just decided they didn't. But, Carl, I, I do think that one of the things that is absolutely true is that we are now paying the price of the other side of the Fed. Like, we also look kind of like, hey, you know what? We can slow down a little. You'll never see it in the earnings, and, and it'll be fine. No, there's going to be cracks, and we are we have cracks right now. Uh, and, and then you had Cooperman. I don't know if you heard him this morning on Squawk, uh, basically saying maybe it's my age and how long I've been around, but I don't think interest rates are all that high. Um, wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if the 10-year got to five and a half. Well, I mean, you know, look, when I work, when I work with Lee at Goldman, the the tenure, if we ever had five and a half, we thought the Dow would have doubled. I mean, I do think that uh, when people say mortgage rates are seven, suddenly that's horrible. And my first mortgage was at 12. I mean, you know, I, I think we have to the older people I, I remember terrible rates. The younger people are saying, what happened to my three percent mortgage? And that was just a fanciful moment in history. Uh, David uh, kind of leads us maybe to a discussion of what you might talk about this afternoon with Solomon. Ooh. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Of course, uh, we're at a Goldman conference and we are going to be joined by uh, David Solomon later in the day, as you said, 4.15 uh, Eastern time. Uh, and we will talk about a broad range of topics involving the broader economy, as we often do with David, of course, and the capital markets, where things stand. You know, I'm certainly hearing some, I want to call them green shoots of hope and in, in, uh, from bankers, both on um, IPO front in terms of capital markets and also M&A. We'll see if yeah. he concurs or whether he's somewhat negative. The regulatory environment continues to be quite challenging in many ways, and I know he'll want to weigh in on that. And then, as you might imagine, a few other things that we may uh, we may hit as well, given some of the recent press around Mr. Solomon. Well, David, I mean, look, you wake up, actually right before I left last night, Westrock was interested in doing a deal with Smurfit. Well, I mean, that's a Lena Khan deal. You're supposed to not have the big paper companies merge. 
what's happened? Are we, you know, is it all the thaw from Microsoft Activision and the fact that when you get to the courts, as you always said, have to give them some credit after you drove me out of Boeing 180, as you always said that the uh, courts have doctrine, even if, if Khan has lore views that she wrote when she was such a great star, I guess, what, second year? I don't know. I was taking law on the banana by then. I don't know. I was trying to get a job at Cravat. But she was second year law review. Uh, and I guess that was uh, not what the court seemed to want. Well, that is the key challenge, I think, that they face. And at the DOJ as well, um, where I know you're more of a fan. Um, but well, you Kaner's can say that guy. you want the law. To, yes. You, and, and obviously a, a, a veteran. But you can say you want the law to change or you view things differently and you want the antitrust regime to be different than it has been, let's call it, over the last 30, 40 years. But can you get the judiciary to go along with you? Can you get the judges to actually see it your way? So far, that has not worked. Uh, And so you can put out all the guidelines you want, Jim. But ultimately, if companies, if they are willing to challenge you, they typically at this point would seem uh, come from a, a position of strength. That said, don't underestimate the fact that the very aggressive posture from the DOJ and the FTC, as we've said so many times, is still keeping certain deals on the sidelines that otherwise might actually occur. Well, look, we got to remember that the, te- the real test here is not anyone's we're talking about. Is, it's Kroger and Albertsons, giant, uh, giant companies, uh, potentially the largest, one of the largest uh, union companies, as, as, as we would hear from, uh, from Kroger. Uh, but they have a Someone is willing to buy the stores, overlap CNS wholesale. David, this is a soft bank. I don't know what tech soft banks in supermarkets too, but this is a very telling story. Because you have Rodney McMullen going around telling everybody, look, this is not an issue. And then you have even a Jonathan Canner from Justice saying, the deals that we've done where we offload to another company have been failures. And yet, you know, have you been watching what's happening with the stock of writing, which was allegedly saved by uh, from suitors. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm not I'm not like it. A lot of stuff I don't like. Yeah, I'm going to dig a little more into that. But you're right. Listen, you and I think have both been doubters to a certain extent based on history uh, of the ability of McMullen to get that deal done. He's been adamant that they will. Certainly the, the market is viewing quite positively yep. the possibility of this of this divestiture having enough wherewithal to actually be a real competitor and being viewed that way by the antitrust authorities. But like, like always, we will see. Right. Meanwhile, of course, let's not get away from the fact that there is a separation going on in the stock market. Uh, we've got the drug stocks really flying, and uh, including J&J, which has just been one awful stock. And uh, that, again, Carl, as people saying, not there, there's regulatory issues or refining uh, what's going on with, 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 with Apple in China. It's, hey, let's face it. We've got a real slowdown, so let's go buy the drug stocks. They're not buying the food stocks because this General Mills Blue Buff story, which is the expensive food. Oh, yes. It's just, it really kind of killed the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, good point on J&J, number one uh, Dow component right. at the moment. Uh, pretty mixed bag here. Uh, you got uh, utilities up almost a percent, one percent declines on the NASDAQ. Uh, and the 10-year, right around 427. Quick reminder, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Just sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club. Or you can always use the QR code on the screen, and it takes you right there. Meanwhile, as we said, bonds uh, not necessarily higher on the jobless claims number at 216, lightest since February and below the 230 we're, we were expecting, uh, but still not too far from some of the recent highs. Back in a moment. Technology uh, definitely taking a hit out of the NASDAQ 100 this morning. You see Timo 
leading along with uh, Amgen and even our parent Comcast, but a lot of chips on the uh, on the downside, including some chips uh, equipment makers. Amat, uh, KLAC is in there as well. Uh, Dow meantime up about 18 points. Take a short break. Be back in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Well, we all have our sources in China, and I, I monitor social media pretty closely. There were a lot of people lined up last night in an Apple store. Uh, it's important to know uh, that China Mobile has refuted this rumor and that state-owned China News Service reported on Weibo that the rumor is untrue. And so uh, those who want to sell Apple or trade it rather than own it, I say good luck. <laughs> invitation to the funeral? Yes, just write, send me an invitation to my funeral if I'm a short seller of Apple. That's that's Jim Fisk, by the way, who rumored to have said it at Delmonico's, which is the, yep, short gold and send me an invitation to your funeral. That's what he said when he was over at uh, Federal Hall. But anyway, keep selling Apple furiously if you want to. I don't care. I've got nothing to say. I sold Boeing at the advice of uh, David and what, eh? Just not true. I sold it because I couldn't take the pain. And that's what I wrote recently. Can't take the pain. David, by the way, had a Siebert interview, T-Mobile. And all within the selling, it was one of the great interviews. Siebert, dividend, better numbers. Nobody cared. Mm. That's a sign that I like in terms of a little bit of a bottom cut. How about tonight? All right. Well, tonight we're just going kind of wide ranging. Um, You know what tonight is? It's a, it, you know, we have, a, this is a company that I'm looking for enterprise software companies that are very profitable. They're all winning. And this one's winning. This is one that does it for um, mutual, for, for actually for insurance, keeps track of portfolios. Enterprise software remains the uh, HubSpot, the battleground in this market. And that's ServiceNow. And I like that company. I say buy enterprise software right now. Jim, we'll see you at six. Oh, but by the way, tonight I think the Chiefs play. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. But giving you got to get yeah, you give them three. What let's is get, that? Let's get this Detroit. going. Detroit. I'm going to give Ford three there. Okay. okay. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. When? Yeah. There's a, there's a look at the live shot. Uh, when we come back, more reaction to Apple uh, extending its decline, although off the opening low of 174. Stay with us. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At one year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. 
Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Tremphia.